Tonight, I want to talk about this, how to stay in the fight. Because like I said, um, at the Youth Weekender, um, in the final session, Darren, or Darren, um, came and spoke to us and he talked to, talked to us about being in the fight. And if you weren't at the Youth Weekender, I would really encourage you, all of the talks from the Weekender are, in, are available on podcast. Just go to the Life Central Church um, thing podcast channel on your podcast app um, and download it. Please do listen to them because I really think God did something significant in Life Central Youth um, at that Weekender. And if you weren't a part of the Weekender, you're still a part of Life Central Youth. And we want you to be a part of the momentum and what God is leading in us. And he talked, Darren talked to us about putting a, a fight in us. And what's been interesting is off the back of the Youth Weekender, I've seen a momentum um, grow in, in you guys. I've heard loads of stories of some of you sharing sharing your faith with your mates for the first time. I've um, heard stories of people going into their schools and saying, can we start a CU? Um, kind of getting head teachers and teachers and saying, we need to do something for Christians in our school. I've heard stories of you guys just really stepping up. I've seen somebody post on Instagram just saying, I really want you guys to know who are my friends, that Jesus really loves you. I've seen a step up in our game and our fight since the Youth Weekender. I've seen it in worship. I've seen it tonight in worship. You guys going for it. God has stirred something up in us, and I don't want us to lose that. I don't want us to lose the momentum of what God's given us because you can lose momentum and you can gain momentum. And I'm in this game to gain momentum and I really want to push forward. Um, if you're not a Christian tonight and tonight is your first time with us, you are so, so welcome. And tonight I'm going to talk about some stuff about being in a fight because we believe that the enemy has taken stuff from us and it's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to go and take back what the enemy's taken from us. And we're talking about the stuff in life that robs us of joy. And, you know, I really believe that there's a place for you in this fight as well. And I believe that God's got a call and a purpose on your life. And as I'm talking, I want you to, to, to think about whether you want to be involved in this, about whether you feel like there's a call and a purpose on your life. And, and listening to what, what God might be saying to you through this, I want to encourage you to be open. And if you're not willing to be open, treat this as like a backstage pass of why Christians are so passionate about their faith. Treat it as a backstage pass as why the person who you sat next to who dragged you along tonight, of why they were so keen for you to come along, because this is what it's all about. We're going to talk about Gideon. Does that screen keep flashing behind me? No, I'm just imagining it then. Good to know I'm going crazy. Um, so tonight we are going to talk about the story of Gideon. And the story of Gideon appears in the book of Judges. Uh, the Bible is not one book, but it's a collection of 66 books. And this book of Judges is about people who temporarily were like in charge of the Israelite nation. Um, and Gideon is a guy who God did an amazing thing with, and we're going to find out and unpack it as we go. But we're going to join it right at the start, which is a good place to join a story. And we're going to see the context in which Gideon lives. And it says this in Judges 6. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Basically, the Israelites were on the run from the Midianites. Midianites, do, it was, they were like Man United fans. You can't be more than six foot away from one at a time. Um, so they weren't great people. 
uh, just like Man United fans. Um, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor the donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Basically, the Israelite nation were being bullied by the Midianites. And everywhere the Israelites would go, the Midianites would follow. And like any time they planted crops, the Midianites would steal them and eat them. Like the Midianites were like overpowering the Israelites. And the Israelites were overrun by this. And you can imagine how Gideon feels, like constantly on the run, constantly trying to hide from this bully called the Midianites. And you know, in in our context, like we can feel like we are overrun. We can feel like we're constantly running, trying to hide from cave to cave. If you're a Christian and you're trying to live for Jesus, man, it's so hard to live for Jesus and be a teenager. It is so hard to live and represent who God is because you can sit in an RE lesson or, or a science lesson as a Christian and maybe the teacher knows that you're a Christian and they begin to talk about evolution or creation and they start to say stuff that perhaps you don't agree with and you find yourself wanting to say something and wanting to argue and the teacher can put you on the spot or maybe your friends or other people know you're a Christian and want to out you for, for not believing what they're teaching or maybe... Maybe you've shared your faith on Instagram and you've had a bit of abuse off people and said, oh, stop being a God botherer, you little Bible basher and stuff like that. Maybe you've tried to share your faith with somebody and they've laughed in your face. It is really hard to be a Christian. It is really hard and we can feel like we're overrun. Because although there's quite a few of us here tonight and although Life Central is a is a fairly large church, it's we are... We, like take up a tiny percentage of the towns that we're in like we are overrun there are so many people more people who aren't following God than are following God like we are overrun and you can understand where we find Gideon in this next bit of the story Um, so this next bit of the story is, is we are introduced to Gideon it says the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, we could go like skip over that threshing wheat in a wine press. Basically, when you threshed threshed wheat, you were trying to get rid of all the dead bits so that you can use the good bits. The good bits would stay attached. So you would go like on a hill where there was a bit of a breeze, and you were kind of like thresh the wheat and bash it a little bit and all the dead bits would fall out and blow away and all the good bits would stay attached and you would you would have some good wheat but a wine press was down low it was kind of like a well and you would it was there to press grapes and turn them into wine so Gideon is so scared of the Midianites nicking his wheat that instead of going on a hill where it would be easy, he goes down into a well and he's hiding, scared of the Midianites. He's hiding and he's threshing wheat. He's doing something in a place that he's not meant to be doing it because he's running in fear. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. Like Gideon is running scared and this angel appears and goes, what's happening? 
mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, uh, I think you've come to the wrong Gideon, mate, because I am not a white, mighty warrior. Can you not see? I'm threshing wheat on a wine press here, mate. And he says, Gideon, uh, Gideon replied, but if the, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, the, of Midian. You know, when we're in the midst of like tough times, when we're in the midst of something being really hard, when we feel overrun, it can feel like God's abandoned us. You can sit in those science lessons and RE lessons, or you can sit on the other side of your Instagram profile going, God, where the flip are you? Like, God, have you, have you abandoned me? Because I feel like I'm on my own. That's what it can feel like, and that's what Gideon felt like in the moment. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. You've got it wrong again, God. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. So he's like, in all of the towns, like our town is the worst town in all of the towns. And then in my family, I'm the weakest in my family. Like, you might feel like, oh, I'm just a little year seven, or, oh, I'm just a, a person that goes to college, or I'm just one of many, many Instagram and Snapchat, uh, Snapchat accounts. Like, you can feel like you are just the weakest of the weak, but God wants to do something different with you. He says, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. You see, God puts a fight in Gideon. God gives Gideon a fight and he says, I'm going to use you to lead the Israelites to freedom. I'm going to use you and you're going to be the leader and we're going to take back what the enemy's taken from us. We're going to take the fight to the enemy. See, God gives Gideon a fight. Um, we, I think God's giving us a fight. God's stirring stuff in, up, up in us that um, we're going to fight for Hellzo and we're going to fight for Hagley. We're going to fight for Raleigh because God, I think God's putting a fight in us in Life Central Youth. And what I want to do is give you six ways to stay in the fight. So if you're taking notes, uh, there's going to be six points from here on in of ways that you can stay in the fight. And the first one is this, go in the strength that you have. In verse 14, God says this to, Israel, uh, to Gideon. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? You see, often when we think God's sending us somewhere, if we think God's asking us to do something, I think the easiest example to use here is when it comes to baptism. Often people, when it comes to baptism, say, oh, yeah, but I'm not a good enough Christian yet, or, you know, I don't know enough of the Bible yet, or, or I've only been a Christian five minutes, I'm not ready to be baptised. Listen, if you know Jesus, if you're trying to live for Jesus, then baptism is the next step. Just get on and do it. You don't have to be like a super Christian to be baptised. It's just get baptised. And you see, what God says to, to Gideon here is he says, you might not feel like a mighty warrior. You might not have completed warrior training school. You might not have a degree in being a mighty warrior, but I am sending you, therefore go in the strength that I have given you. You see, when God sends us, he doesn't say, right, you're going to go, but in a bit when you're qualified. Like, he says, go, start moving, and I will go with you. You see, God doesn't call the qualifies, 
God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He qualifies you as you go. As you step out, God, um, God qualifies you. Do you know, there is um, the limitation that we carry is not in the stuff that we have and the skills that we have. It can be in our mind. Do you know there's only 12 musical notes? Only 12 notes. That's right, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, good. That is not a time to disagree with me. Um, there is only 12 notes, right? So there's that set of 12 notes that can feel pretty limiting. But yet, through the centuries of time, we have got billions of songs, of symphonies, of all this stuff created by just these 12 notes. You see, if we think that we're limited by our stuff and the stuff in front of us, we've just got to go and allow God to be creative through us. You know, I think when we start going, God goes with us. And as we step out in the strength that we have, um, we, can, we can take the fight to the enemy. The second point is remind yourself. Now, in verse 17, Gideon says to God, he, said, he says, if now I have found favor in your eyes, bear in mind what's just happened. Okay, so, so there was an angel that came and met him in the wine press. It says, now, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Like, he's got a massive angel in there with him. Like, he's literally just had this like eight foot tall whacking big angel go what's happening Gideon your mighty warrior like he's he's in this conversation with an angel okay I only know one angel and I say her name is Chilton like I've I've never met a big eight foot angel that spoke to me but if I did I would know that that was God speaking to me do you know what I mean I would know that that was a messenger from God. And Gideon, in this moment, he has, he has a conversation with an angel and then just goes, oh, um, can we just make sure that it's really you? Like, can we do something so that I'm, like, really certain that it's you? And he has this conversation with an angel, which is pretty ridiculous. But here's the thing, guys. So many times we hear God speak to us and we forget it. We hear a talk and we think, that was that was like they've been following me around. That was really for me, that. And three days later, we've forgotten it. We hear a song or we read a Bible verse and it really speaks to us. But then two weeks later, we're like, oh, God, yeah, yeah, I read a Bible verse about something, but I can't quite remember. Guys, it is so important that we write stuff down, that we find ways to remind ourselves of what God is saying to us. That's why when we go on things like the Youth Weekender or when we go to Limitless Festival in the summer, in your kit list is bring a notepad to make notes because someone might say something from stage that you're not going through that season at that time, but two months later, you might go through that, that season and go, oh, ah, yeah, so Andy spoke about, you know, going and being in the fight and I feel like I've lost the fight. Maybe I'll go back and, and look at my notes of what I wrote down that, that, that Sunday night because I, that might be some good stuff that will help me out. We've got to find ways to remind ourselves. That's why, um, that's why pod, we put the podcasts out because we want you to go back and re-listen and remind yourself of what God might have challenged you on. That's why we say to listen to worship music and read your Bibles because it reminds you of what God has been saying to you through that stuff. 
So I take notes. When, when you see me in church, um, 90% of the time when I'm, I'm on my phone in church, I'm making notes. And I'm going to prove it to you um, because these are my notes from a talk. Uh, the next one, they're not my notes. These are my notes from a talk um, a couple of weeks ago in church. In fact, it was uh, not today, but last Sunday. And these are my notes that I took from the talk that Leon did here in our Hales Owen location. Just really simple notes, really boring. I take it on notes on my uh, phone, as you can see. Um, and just put week one, Leon. It's about John the Baptist in Luke 7, 28. Um, and I just write down things that like jump out to me. I don't write like a script of the whole talk. I don't write like all the points down. I write down the bits that jump out to me and connect with me. And I go, oh yeah, do you know what? I might need that in a couple of weeks. Oh, that really spoke to me there. So it's like, what does greatness really look like? John was great in Jesus' eyes, but he wasn't great in his own. I write down things that speak out to me. And I've got loads of different notes um, in my phone of, of different talks. And on my iPad, I've got different notes as well. And I want to take notes because I want to remember what God's spoken to me. Now, I do it like this. And not all of you are wired in the same way that I am wired. Some of you perhaps are a little bit more creative. Beth Newman, um, who's on our youth team, she is wired in that way. And she takes notes in a different way. If we can have Beth's notes up. If you see Beth or you sit by her during, her, during a talk, she takes notes like this. Okay, And I can't get my head around it. Because if I tried to do that, I wouldn't listen. Because I would spend the entire time being frustrated that I can't draw an Ikea bag. Like, I would be rubbish at this. I would not listen to the talk. But this really works for Beth. And she sits on her iPad with her Apple pen because she's a hipster millennial. And she loves to, to draw and be creative and stuff like that. So she writes down the stuff and, and, and figures that out. And if you're part of Journal and Crew on a Wednesday night, you've been figuring out this kind of stuff and, and getting to know how to do this. But guys, what I'm getting at is when you come to church, when you come to Threads, when you're at your locations on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, get a notebook out, get your phone out, be writing notes, because that's a great way to engage, and it's a great way to remind yourself. Because if Gideon was face-to-face -face with an angel and needed confirmation that God was speaking to him, then I think we need to be taking notes in church to remind ourselves of God speaking to us. The third point um, is make God your priority. In Judges 25 to 26, um, God says to uh, Gideon, he says, take down the second bull from your father's head, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Because they were like worshipping other gods. That was part of the problem in Israel at the time is that they were putting other gods before God. Uh, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. You see, Gideon is told to tear down the other gods to make sure that God is the number one priority in the Israelite nation. And I don't think we exactly worship other gods. I don't think we build Asherah poles to, to other gods. But I think other things do get in the way of our priority. Uh, and we, we deprioritize God and we up the priorities list are other things. Things like sport. One of the things I often am challenged on is how much I priority prioritize football over God. And I have to really work on that in my own life. Um, we sometimes can prioritize gaming. We can prioritize social media. We can prioritize 
our friends. None of this is bad, but it's difficult when it gets in the way of our relationship with God. God wants us, if we're going to stay in the fight, God wants us to put him first. And guys, coming up after Easter, loads of you are going to enter exam season. And you know, it is so key during your exams to make God your priority. It is so, so key. One young person said to me a few years ago, they said, no amount of academic qualification is worth my relationship with God. And they said, through my exams, I'm prioritizing my relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, let me be really clear for you guys and any parent that is listening on podcast, I am not saying sack off your revision. I'm not saying don't go to your exams because God's more important. That is not what I am saying. I want you to work as hard as you can. I want you to to revise and I want you to do the best that you possibly can in your exams so that you can achieve and live out the, the life that God's calling you to live out. But what I am saying is make sure you prioritize God in that season. So maybe you allow yourself like, three or four breaks in your revision week. Make sure church is one of them. Make sure coming to threads or crews is one of them. Make sure that you're continuing to connect with God through your exams. You know, we, we will be running revision crew. Um, that's a little spoiler alert. That's one crew released for next term. And we will be run, running revision crew. The heart behind that is we want to help you to do as well as you can in, in your exams but also we want to help you prioritize God in your exam season. So as we come into uh, exam season and any part of our life, we have got to make God our number one. We've got to make our God, uh, God our priority. Point number four is don't let fear stop you. If we can have a look in the next bit. So Gideon's been told to tear down all the stuff. And it says, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. See, Gideon was afraid and he thought, well, I'm going to do what God's told me to do, but I'm just going to do it afraid and I'm going to do it at night rather than in the day. I remember um, the day when I decided that I was going to ask Laura to marry me. And um, I was in the car, I was driving back uh, up to Birmingham from London I'd spent the weekend with Laura. And as I was praying about it, um, I just felt God say, go and ask your parents tonight. You see, because boys, the tradition is that you have to go and ask the parents of your girlfriend that, can, can I go and marry your daughter, please? That's the, the tradition. So I did that and um, I basically was driving and was praying about it and felt God say, go and ask them now. You've got time, go and do it now. So I was like, okay. And I'm praying, and I got to the junction where to get to Laura's parents, and I pulled off, and I was like, okay, no going back. And I kind of just drove to Laura's mum and dad's without thinking about it. I thought, if I think about it, I'll bottle it, and I'll turn around, and I'll go the other way. Um, and I pulled up on their, on their drive, got out my car, and knocked on the door and thought, no going back now, Andy. And they opened the door, and I was like, hiya. I just thought I'd drop in. I was driving back and had a bit of spare time. Thought I'd come and say hello, which I had never done before and I have never done since. And Laura's mum and dad knew instantly what was going on. But you see, I was terrified. I was bricking it. And we went and we sat in the conservatory and they gave me a cup of tea and a bit of cake. And I, like, I sat 
and chatted absolute rubbish for an hour. I talked about the weather, I talked about the football, I talked about the new cheats in the, in the conservatory, I talked about everything other than what I was there to do. And the slice of Victoria sponge cake that was there for me stayed on the side for an hour. Like, I'm sure by the time I got round to it, it was growing mould. Like, I, I was proper afraid. And in the end, I went, look, the reason I'm here is not to talk rubbish about the weather. I said, I'm here to ask if I can marry your daughter. Laura's mum, as quick as anyone's ever answered the question, went, of course you can. <laughs> Laura's dad went, yeah, we never thought we'd find anyone who'd marry Laura. And that was the start of our engagement. But you see, I was terrified. I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought they might say no, but I did it anyway because I felt like God had said to do it. And guys, we cannot allow fear to hold us back from what God wants us to do. We cannot allow fear to take us out the fight. Too many times, fear stops us from being in the fight. And guys, we've got to get a hold of fear because it's okay to be afraid as long as we do it anyway. See, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action in the face of fear. You see, we've got to step out. If you're terrified about telling your mates about Jesus and the fact that you go to church, do it anyway and do it scared. At least you've done it. Like, let's not let fear hold us back from the fight that we are in. You know, there are opportunities coming my way at the moment that scare and terrify me. But I'm going to do them even though I'm scared. I'm going to take hold of those opportunities even though I'm terrified of what it might mean. Guys, we have got to not allow fear to hold us back. Yes, we will be afraid. Yes, we'll be concerned about stuff. But let's still be in the fight. Let's still step into what God has for us. Number five, I'm getting carried away and we're running out of time. Number five is be expectant. Um, I'm going to skip the Bible verse and I'm going to tell you it briefly. So what happens is, is Gideon has this army and, and God trims it down and he trims it down to about a thousand. And then God says, there's, there's, too, there's too many men in the army. What I'm going to do is um, I'm going to take you down to the river and when you get down to the river, I'm going to tell you who's going to stay in the army and who's not. And basically, um, all the men go down the river and, and Gideon says, everyone has a drink. And um, 300 men go down to the river and they stay on their knees like this, and they scoop water out, and they drink from it like that. The rest of the men are all in the river, and they're down on all fours, and they've just got their face in the river, and they're lapping it up like a dog, like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And God says, the people who are face down in the river, you need to send them home. They're not part of the fight. But the people who are on their knees, scooping it and drinking it like that, they're in the army. Only 300 of them did this. And you see, the reason, I think, the reason why God said those people is those people are going to the river remembering that they're in an army, remembering that they're in a battle, and they're going, going, I'm going to be expectant. I'm going to be expectant that something might come my way in a moment. I'm going to be poised and ready. Even though I'm having a drink, I'm going to be poised and ready to be in the battle at any point. And the people who were face down in the river forgot that they were in a battle and disengaged and God went they're going home but these guys who are expectant are part of the battle and guys if we're going to stay in the fight we've got to be expectant 
There's two areas that I think we can be expectant in. The first is, so often we come to stuff and we come to, perhaps you come regularly on a Sunday and you just come to hang out with your mates and you think, oh yeah, I'm just going to go because that's what my family do on a Sunday. I want to say, come expectant. Be expectant that God might speak to you. Come expectant, no matter who the worship leader is, no matter who it is speaking, no matter how many of your mates are around you in that service, come expectant for God to speak to you. Come to cruise on a Wednesday night expectant to hear God, expectant to hear something that's going to help you live your life more for Jesus. The other way that I think we need to be expectant is we need to constantly remember that we're in a battle. We need to remember that we're part of the fight. What does it mean tomorrow morning when you're on the bus for you to be expectant, for you to be ready that you're part of the fight, to be poised that if God wants you to go, you're going to go. When you go to parties, be poised that if God wants you to do something, you're going to do it. You know, for me, one of the biggest reasons to not get drunk at parties is God might want to use you. And if you're drunk, God can't use you. So we're going to be poised and we're expectant and we're going, God, I'm part of this fight. When I'm on the bus to school, I'm part of the fight. When I'm at the party, I'm part of the fight. When I'm going to get milk for my mum, I'm part of the fight. When I'm in my after school club, I'm part of the fight. When I'm online playing Fortnite, I'm part of the fight. When I'm uploading selfies on Instagram, I'm part of the fight. Wherever we go, let's be expectant. Let's not forget that we're part of the fight, that God's called us to be in a battle, to go and take back what the enemy has taken from us. The final point, and Dan, if you can come up and play some music to make me sound better than I am, that would be great. Um, the final point is be obedient. You know, right through this entire um, story, Gideon is outrageously obedient. And the story is incredible. I encourage you to read it in Judges 6 and 7 um, because what God does with this little army of 300 is brings about an amazing victory. But it all comes from Gideon doing as he's told because what God tells Gideon to do doesn't make sense. Like there's no way that you win a battle against hundreds of thousands of, of warriors with 300 men. But yeah, what God does through Gideon is amazing. And it's all because of his obedience. You see, at the weekend, Darren talked about being obedient, about what Jesus said when he said, um, when he said that everyone who hears these words of his and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. You see, obedience is one of the greatest qualities that we can have as followers of Jesus. It's one of the greatest qualities that we can have in this fight you see following Jesus isn't about trying to be perfect like my story is that when I was 15 I got into loads of trouble at school and my parents had to come in and I got into nearly got excluded and um, my dad said some stuff to me on my way home that made me think about God and I was going to church at the time but not really engaged but that night in my, in my bedroom I wasn't at a youth event I wasn't at some festival, I wasn't at church, I was just sat in my bedroom and I said, God, I'm tired of getting it wrong and I'm messing it up going my way. God, I'm going to try and live for you. 
I'm going to try it your way. And I got up the next day and tried to live for Jesus. And then I got up the next day and tried to live for Jesus. And I got up the next day and tried to live for Jesus. And my, my journey as a Christian is that every day I just get up and try and live for Jesus. I get up and try and be obedient to what God's asking me to do. I get up and I try and live out what God's asked me to live out and be obedient, be more obedient today than I was yesterday to make steps forward. And guys, trust me, I ain't perfect. Trust me, I get it wrong all the time. But I'm just trying to live for Jesus. I'm just trying to be obedient. And I think being obedient to what God says is so, so important. That's a way that we stay in the fight. But I think one of the biggest ways to stay in the fight outside of those top six is being filled with, with the Holy Spirit. See, there's this moment in the story of Gideon where it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And it's interesting because lots of the Bible is written in Hebrew. And I'm going to give you some Hebrew tonight. Um, Hebrew. So when, when um, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, it, the Bible says that in lots of different ways, uh, in different stories. It says the Spirit of the Lord came on this person and the Spirit of the Lord came on that person. And most of the time in the Bible when it's used, the Hebrew word is heya. And that heya means it comes, it, it's kind of like a coming on, like a falling on them like almost like a cloth landing on them but the Hebrew word that's used here in Gideon is a Hebrew word called labesh and labesh basically means to be clothed or covered or even to wear and I want to say share something with you that I've probably used before and you may have heard before but Angel I wonder if you'd come and help me out for a second you see Often what happens, I take my coat off. Often what happens is we think when the Spirit of the Lord comes on us, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we think, this is me and this is God. And what happens is, can you try and put my coat on? Is that we think we put on God. And we think we wear God like a coat. And whilst whilst we're we're doing stuff and whilst we're um, you know living for God, that we're almost wearing God like a coat. And I think sometimes we go to stuff and sometimes we go to things that we know we shouldn't be going to, and we leave our God coat at home. That's what the original version. But if you can take the coat off for me, and then you're going to put it back on. <laughs> what the word labesh means is that this is God and we are the coat and what it's kind of saying is that God is looking for people that he can wear like a coat that God's looking for people that he can put on that the spirit can can come and wear us like a coat thank you angel you can take my coat with me with you you see, I love what Darren said at the end of the youth weekend there. That, you know, if I, if I need someone, if God, 
If God says, I'm looking for somebody who'll fight, I'm looking for somebody who'll go to that school, I'm looking for somebody who will fight for this person. If I just go to Life Central Youth, there'll be somebody there. I love that. And that's been my prayer since the youth weekend there. That God, if you need someone to fight, if you need someone to stand up for a school, would you find it in Life Central Youth? If you need someone to stand up for the lonely, would you find it in Life Central Youth? God, if you need somebody to stand up for the oppressed, would you find it in Life Central Youth? God, if you're looking for somebody who'll be a political leader, God, would you find it in Life Central Youth? If you're looking for somebody who will be the next generation of kids and youth leaders, would you find it in Life Central Youth? God, if you're looking for somebody who will tirelessly invite their friends to Alpha and to Cruise and to other to church every week, God, would you find it in Life Central Youth? Because I think God's looking for moments where he can wear us like a coat. That what would it look like tomorrow when you're on the bus for God to wear you like a coat? When you're in school in that English lesson, what if God wore you like a coat? so that somebody, the person next to you, might know Jesus. What would it look like if we were willing, willing to be worn like a coat by God, so that God could be revealed to the people that don't yet know him? And that's why it's so important that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we have the Spirit of God in us. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to spend a couple of moments in response and we're going to spend a couple of moments just asking God to come and meet with us so I want to invite you to stand to your feet if you're taking notes on your phone or on a notebook or iPad or whatever just shove it under your chair and we're going to position ourselves expectant we're going to be poised expectant for God to meet with us. So I want to invite you to close your eyes and hold hold your hands out in front of you because that's a sign saying, I'm expectant. That's a sign saying, God, I want you to wear me like a coat. And I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to say, God, would you come and meet with us? And we're going to wait and we might sing, we might not we're going to wait and we're going to see what God wants to do and see how God wants to challenge us so God I pray right now that you would come and fill us God I pray for that labesh filling of the Holy Spirit that you might come and wear us like a coat that we might make ourselves available so God I pray that you would come and meet with us and we wait for you. So we're waiting. Keep your eyes closed. Don't be distracted. Let's be expectant.